Thanks. I'm excited for this morning, too. Uh, so I don't think I've actually ever preached on a Sunday morning in Canada. I've been in missions for a lot of years. I traveled the world and taught and things, but on a Sunday morning. So I'm excited. Uh, and I was trying to think about how do preachers start their sermons, <laughs> right? Like, you got to start somewhere. And sometimes people start with a joke. Sometimes people start with, like, their credentials or a biography. But something you're going to learn about me is that I love love, okay? I've been married for two years. And so I thought it would be fun to show you about 20 seconds of our wedding vows because it actually ties into our message today. You guys up for that? Okay, Zach, you want to pull? Oh, there we are. That was my dress. <laughs> okay, it's about 20 seconds, so this is Jaron. This is partway into our vows, and this was something he said to me. So you can hit play anytime. A little sound. That's at first assembly in town. Both Jaron and I aren't from Medicine Hat originally. We're from central Alberta. So while we were dating, uh, we, on some of our dates, we went and we looked at churches because I always wanted to get married in a church. And so we went around and we met different churches. We met different pastors until we found one that we really loved. So we're going to get some sound or... Both of them in the back are like, I don't know. Okay. That's okay. Well, that was our wedding. <laughs> um, you want to give them a hand, Chris? Tell a joke. So that's part of why I'm not telling a joke is because of what Jaron says. <laughs> so it kind of tied in that uh, I think my jokes are maybe more funny than other people find them sometimes. <laughs> Uh, one of the things that Jaron said also while they're trying to get sound in our wedding vows was that he promised never to uh, love coffee. And you know when you're a coffee lover and you want the people around you to like drink coffee with you? Well, I've thrown that one out the window because I'm like, well, you said it in your vows. You vowed to never love coffee. So I'll be the coffee drinker. More coffee for me. Okay, no sound. That's okay. So I just thought it would be fun because he talks about how he'll, he'll laugh at my jokes even when they're not funny. And then he goes on to talk about how we're both really competitive and maybe he'll let me win sometimes. And uh, I just thought that that tied into what I'm going to talk about today, which is meekness. Because in our first couple of years of being married, uh, we're both very competitive and I've had to learn to be a loser. <laughs> Jaren is very good at things, you guys. And I've grown up being very good at things, too. And then I married someone who likes to kick my butt and is competitive. So I've had to grow in humility and become a better loser, which I thought was kind of fun uh, and would tie into the message today, which is meekness. So we're going through the Beatitudes, and today we're going to dive into this one a little bit. But if I were to ask any of you in the room to describe meekness. If I were to say, hey, put up your hand, could you give me a very clear definition of what it means to be meek? How many do you think could do that right on the spot? Maybe not many. I don't know if I could before studying this. And I feel like the Lord um, has given some really good revelation that is for us today on this. So I looked up 
the word meek in the Greek. I'm a definition kind of person. And uh, in the Greek, the word is praus. P-R-A-U-S, praus. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right. But something I've learned over the years, um, I've done a lot of Bible burns in my times of ministry. Not literally burning Bibles. <laughs> I'm getting like stares like, what? What we would do, uh, we would, I was a part of YWAM in town. We would run DTSs where we would do a Bible burn for 12 hours. In other words, we would sit in a circle and chapter by chapter we would read through typically the Gospels. And when it was your turn, you'd be sitting and you would get to read one chapter. And there are some pretty hard words to read out loud when you've never necessarily read the Bible out loud. And so I learned, hey, if you just say it with confidence, everybody in the room thinks you know what you're talking about, right? And if you, but if you fumble around, then you fumble around. And so I might say some words in Greek today. And I'm going to say them how Janine would say them, and that's how you say them today. <laughs> so praus in the Greek means meek. And it means to be humble, gentle, and disciplined. Those three things. And so then I went to my app, my dictionary app. Does anyone else have a dictionary app? Okay, a couple people. I like to know what words mean, and I find that there, a lot of times there's words that I don't know what they mean, so I have an app for that. So I pulled up my app and typed in meek. And it was very similar at first. The definition for meek, it was humble, gentle, and patient. So very similar to the Greek, which added discipline. But then I kept scrolling, and it fully changed. It said to be meek means to be spineless, to be spiritless, to be compliant. And in other words, people have associated in the secular world, people have associated meekness with weakness. But in Matthew 5, 5, there it is, uh, Jesus is talking, and he says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So I don't think Jesus was saying, blessed are the weak, for you're going to inherit the earth. Not at all. So what I want to do is I want to try to give us a right view today. Because when the world talks about meek people, typically when that word is used about someone, it's saying that they're probably timid, that they're probably the kind of person who just goes with the breeze and just gets walked all over, the docile person. In other words, the doormat kind of person. If someone is describing someone who's meek. Outside of the church, you may not hear that within the church, but outside of the church, they're talking about people who are weak. But in order to get the biblical perspective of meekness, we actually have to start with the two beatitudes which are before it which Wendy's already talked on, which was blessed. So I'm not really going to get into them, but she talked on blessed are the poor in spirit, which is essentially recognizing the state of our soul before God, that we can't earn anything. We can't earn his grace, that we're spiritually actually bankrupt when we come before him, that we're poor in spirit. And then blessed are those who mourn is the second one in the list. In other words, being people who are really grieved over our sin. Does it grieve us? We're all, we've all been sinners. We all struggle. And does it grieve us? And if we can be people who start with those two beatitudes, 
then we're going to be in a place where we actually have the proper perspective of ourselves, which leads us to meekness. Because Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And this is actually how Jesus spoke of himself. So, oh man, I love that we are singing about Jesus today. Because I could not get away from Jesus when I was preparing for this message. So Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, you can pull that one up. It says, take my yoke, this is Jesus talking again. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Some versions say, for I am meek and lowly in heart. I'm going to be intertwining those words today. Meek, humble, gentle, patient, disciplined. Because when I heard the word meek, when I was going to preach on it, I'm like, what the heck does that mean? Right? I want to give us, I want to ingrain into us the meaning of it today. So Jesus says, this is him talking about himself. I read this and I got wrecked. So I was preparing and I read this verse. Jesus saying, for I am gentle and humble in heart. I read this and I started bawling. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is how Jesus talks about himself. And if Jesus was touching me with it, I believe it's for us today. Because I want to be a person who speaks from revelation. Not just from studying and being ready. I'm going to go through, uh, you know, a commentary and just be ready to share with you. I believe if he was touching me with something, he has something for us today. And Jesus says, I am humble and I am gentle. And for me, in the last, so I met Jaron five years ago, 2017. Uh, he's like, I think so. Uh, five years ago, and we got married two years ago. And since being in relationship with him, God has broken down a lot of my independence. He's taken a lot of walls around my heart down. And that has opened me up to a whole world of feelings and emotions. What I had learned is that, hey, when you put walls up to keep out certain people, you're actually walling off your whole heart from receiving love, from giving love, from feeling love. So the Holy Spirit started to break down these walls that I had since knowing Jaren. And so it's been this whole world of emotions and feelings. I would say I've become a feeler that I've had to navigate in the last few years, and I'm still learning. And so when this topic came up about being gentle, about being humble, man, when Jaren and I are working something out, and I'm a very expressive person, I feel the highs and I feel the lows, and we're trying to, like, work something out, like, to be humble and to be gentle is very hard sometimes. (laughs) And I, I'm learning. I'm learning. And this message has been helping me because I've been diving into it because I want to be like Jesus. I want to respond to Jaren. I, re- I want this to be very practical for you today, relationally, in any relationship that you need it in because the Beatitudes are meant to be practical. And the more that, like I said, like I couldn't get away from looking at Jesus when he was giving me this revelation on what he's like, I was trying to prepare and look at different things, and I kept just thinking about Jesus. And honestly, the more that we behold him, the more we're going to look like him. 
It says that in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, this verse is portraying that we're looking at a mirror. It's us, and then we're looking at a mirror that's Jesus. And it's saying, hey, as you, as you behold me, I'm going to reflect onto you, and you're going to look more like me by the Holy Spirit. He wants to transform us. So today, I just want to behold him a little bit with you. I just want to look at Jesus. And I actually want to, I want to take a second and just pray. Because I'm going to look at some verses that are very familiar and we don't want familiarity in this place. Verses that you've read a hundred times, two times. Maybe today's the day the Lord's going to move your heart with it. Just like some of these different verses that he did with me. So let's just pray. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you. You know that you're here. And Jesus, we just want to look at you. I speak to any familiarity and I just say Go. You can't be here in Jesus' name. We just want to discover you. Holy Spirit, come and would you breathe life, your words and not mine. There's something different for each person in this room today. And Holy Spirit, you know best. You know best. And so would you come and would you speak? Would you give revelation on verses that we've known our whole lives, would you come and would you breathe a fresh life? We want to know you deeper. We want to behold you. We want to be transformed and we want to become like you. I want to think how you think. I want to act how you act. Jesus, more of you in this place, less of us. More of you. In Jesus' name. So like I said, I want to look at what Jesus is like today. So Philippians 2, verse 3. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. I might go quickly from place to place. But we're going to hang out in this chapter a little bit. Some people call this chapter the humility chapter, right? Philippians 2. Some people call this chapter uh, the place where they talk about the mind of Christ. And how Jesus, really, it's Jesus' attitudes. It's Jesus, it's how he thought. There's so much in here. And sometimes we just pass over it. So we're going to break down a few of these verses today. Starting with Philippians 2 verse 3. So my version says, don't be selfish. We're going to stop there. This will change your life. <laughs> don't be selfish. Okay? This hit me. This was another thing that hit me. That was like, oh, I think sometimes we're more unaware of maybe how not selfless or selfish we're being sometimes until the Lord breathes on it. And this has started to practically help me. And this will practically help you if you let it too. And how it's helping me is when Jaron and I are working something out, I start telling myself, less of me, more of Jaron. Less of me, more of Jaron. Don't be selfish, Janine. Because it's easy to just want to be heard, want to be understood, rather than maybe hearing your spouse out and understanding them first. Less of me. Because like I said, I want this to be practical. I want this to be relational. 
for everyone today. I want this to actually start to create new pathways in your minds. Because the Beatitudes are meant to be, uh, especially meekness, is twofold. It's about our heart posture between us and the Lord. And then our heart posture between us and people, relationally. That's what meekness is about, us and Lord. I'm going to get into that, and then us and people. So Philippians, we can go on to verse 6. I think I might have a different version, but I'll just read it from here for you guys. Okay, so it says, this is Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and being okay, became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And therefore, God exalted him. It's essentially the next verse. Guys, Jesus emptied himself out. Jesus went to the altar. I was listening to something this week that talked about the altar. As Jesus gave everything. And what about us? I believe we're called to live on the altar. Sometimes on a Sunday morning, we come to liter the literal altar, and we do our business, and what the Lord does in us is great. But then we walk away, and we get off of the altar during the week. And we wonder why crap happens relationally sometimes. Or we wonder why we have a hard time dealing with stuff. Because we get off the altar. It's like living open-handed. This has been on my mind the last couple days. Is what can I bring the Lord and be open-handed? What am I trying to control that's in front of me right now? But I want to live on that place of the, being on the altar with open hands before the Lord. Not being selfish, not having selfish pursuits, but being open-handed. So I invite you into that today, too, because Jesus just got lower. You guys, Jesus is more humble than we are. Isn't that interesting? Like, dang. Let me say that again. Jesus is more humble than you. Okay, guys, we get on our high stools and we get proud and we're think, we think we're all that. Jesus doesn't need us. He wants us. He has pursued us. And when we start to get revelation of that, that changes how we feel about ourselves, which changes how we treat other people. Jesus is more humble than you are. He is our greatest example. Because Jesus came to serve. So Matthew 20, 27 to 28. Nice. You're on top of it, Zach. Okay, it says, And whoever desires to be the first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. Jesus came to serve. What are we doing? In John chapter 13, I'm not going to read this one out because uh, it's long. But this is the feet washing chapter. You guys probably know it. Who here knows the feet washing chapter? Put your hand up. All right? Or knows about it, that Jesus washed his disciples' feet, right? Very common. But what I didn't know before studying this out was the context of that chapter. So what's basically happening at this point, before Jesus washes the 
feet of his disciples, is the enemy was gaining influence and gaining power, and the teachers of the religious law had been plotting to kill Jesus. That plot was coming together. And Jesus' response was he got lower. This was amidst when Judas had, had been influenced, probably demonized, and he had decided that he was going to betray Jesus. And Jesus got lower. The enemy was gaining influence. He was gaining momentum. He was gaining power. And Jesus strategically gets down on his knees, grabs the basin, and says, let me wash your feet. He says, you don't know what I'm doing. And they're like, of course we know what you're doing. Like, this was a very standard Jewish custom to wash feet. But not something that someone in Jesus' position would do. And he says, you don't know what I'm doing, but do it. Follow my example. Do it. Essentially, the enemy is gaining momentum, and Jesus gets lower. You guys, if this was me, so if I knew about a plot that people were going to take my life, and I had a room of followers, I would be like, hey, guys, team meeting right now. What are we going to do? I want to live. Like, I would be plotting and strategizing how can we counter what's coming. I actually probably would sit down relationally with Judas and have a little counseling sesh. You know, like, what did I do to you? <laughs> right? Like a little one-on-one moment. But no, Jesus, he knew. He was fully God. He was fully man. So... I'm pretty sure he was pretty discerning of what was going on spiritually. Even relationally in the room, I was reading this week and multiple times, uh, the Bible in the New Testament says that Jesus knew. Jesus knew their thoughts. And yet, amidst that, Jesus strategically makes a move of humility. Jesus' response to chaos was meekness. You guys, that is your weapon. How do we respond to chaos? With everything going on in the world, are we the ones guilty who are talking about maybe the politics or talking about uh, all the different things going on? Or what is our response to chaos? Jesus' response was not to freak out was to get lower, to serve. That was his heart posture. And he's saying, do it. Do what I'm doing. Learn from me. Man, that's how we overcome and that's how we achieve greatness in his kingdom. Because you guys, it's actually not wrong to want to be great in the kingdom. I want to correct some different mindsets that some of us have had. But it's actually more about the method that we choose to achieve greatness. Okay, because true greatness in his kingdom, it's not taught by, or it's not uh, pursued by going after our own self-interests through elevating ourselves. That's normal in the world, right? To elevate ourselves, to pursue uh, our own self-interests, to be cutthroat sometimes. Instead, it's achieved through denying ourselves, and we probably know that. Some of this is probably familiar, 
But I encourage you, don't let the familiar go in one year and out the other year. Jesus has something for you here today, whatever it is, okay? It's about serving others. I have a very practical example of this, actually. So when I joined missions in 2015, so before Jaron and I joined Haven, I was with YWAM for about six years. And I had to raise all of my own full-time support to be able to serve in YWAM. It was non-paid. And so before I came, I was meeting with my supporters and I was telling them, hey, my heart when I go is that, like, I really want to disciple girls. I really want a small group lead. I want to meet with them um, amidst other things. I didn't fully know what it was going to look like. And I get to YWAM, and it's our first school, and they say, Janine, you're going to be the work duty coordinator. In other words, you're going to be the cleaning leader, the cleaning lady. And I was, I was actually ticked. <laughs> so I'm going to be raw with you. I was ticked. I was unimpressed. I was like, this is not what I told people I was coming to do. I met with my leaders, and I was not happy. And I also, so leading up to coming, uh, I had gotten out of a relationship in 2013, and it took about a year. The Lord was really uh, just giving me hope again and giving me picture, like a picture of what my future would look like. And one of the things he gave me was a picture of my future husband and I up front leading something. And so I knew that, hey, by the end of everything he had told me that year, I was like, I know I want to be in ministry. I want to be married and raise a family in ministry someday. I don't know where. I don't know when. I don't know how. But that's what I knew I wanted to do with my life. And so when I came, fast forward again, when I came to YOM, I also communicated some of that to them. Hey, guys, I want to lead. I want to be a leader. This is what I see in my future is I want to lead. I want to disciple girls. And, no, I got to be the cleaning lady. And I had to lay down my own self-interests of my own pathway to greatness to serve the ministry, to serve where God had called me to be. It wasn't about me, right? We think we have all these giftings and all these callings, and they're good. We got to lay them down. And you never know what God's going to do with them all. It's amazing. Like, fast forward. But Jesus did not have the pursuit of self. He was selfish, selfless, not selfish, he was sacrificial, he was serving, and that's what being meek is. Jesus is the best example, you guys. We got to behold him. We got to look at him. <sighs> He's so beautiful. I was just getting wrecked when we were singing about him. Uh, that song, I don't even know what the song is, you guys. That was so good, all about Jesus. I don't know what, I was just in awe. You guys, Jesus is so good and Jesus is so beautiful. If we'll let him soften our hearts, we can learn from him. So Philippians 2 verse 4. Nice. Says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Okay, so I had some beef with this verse. I was, I've read it, I don't know how many times. But when I knew I wanted to use it for my sermon today, I started to actually get to the heart of what this verse means and why I was struggling with it. I thought it was saying, 
hey, don't look out for yourself, only other people. In other words, hey, Janine, you don't matter. Only the person in front of you matters. And I think sometimes in Christianity, we actually do that. It's about our heart posture in it. We're not meant to be weak doormats where we get walked all over. Okay? This verse says don't look out only for your own interests. In other words, hey, you have interests and things that you like doing and are interested in are great and they matter. But amidst that, take an interest in other people. And the best place to start to do this from is the place of identity. When you know how the Lord views you, this is the whole thing about meekness of you and the Lord. When you know his view of you, that you are so loved, that you are so valued, then when it comes to your relationships with other people, you look at them, oh, take an interest in other people. Oh, man, I'm so valued. I am so loved by the Lord, and so are they just as equally, and I need them to know that. That is way different than pouring from an empty cup. I could put my hand up. Hundreds of times for how many times I've done that. Putting others in front of me, pouring from an empty cup, not from a place of identity, not from a place of being filled. It's like when you have a cup, there's stuff in here. It's closed. But if it's empty, nothing's going to come out. But if you're filled with revelation of who you are, you know who the person in front of you is. And it's not about being walked all over, but it's about treating them the way that they deserve because you know how you deserve it. It's that place of identity changes everything or else loving people becomes tiring. People are needy. <laughs> okay, it becomes striving. It becomes tiring. And I've been there. I've done that. Some of you know my story, but I burnt out last year. Full burnout. Had to take a three-month sabbatical off of life. I was not doing well. Emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, I needed a lot of healing. I needed a lot of mental health help. I needed a lot of healing spiritually. I needed all of it. I literally could not do life because, guys, if you're no good, you're no good to anyone around you. And that's what this verse where I had the wrong view. If you just serve from a place of, I just got to serve because Jesus says to serve and it's the right thing to do and I just got to give. You guys, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. Yeah, he did not do everything. Are we in tune with the Holy Spirit or else we're going to burn out? And that sucked. I could not give. I had no capacity. Ask my husband to attend things, to go to things. I was breaking down at the smallest. Like I couldn't find a recipe emotional meltdown. Like, I was in a very low place. I was no good. I couldn't be in ministry. I couldn't be out in life doing everything. We are not doormats. Meekness is not weakness. In fact, Jesus, he didn't say that he was weak and lowly of heart. He walked with all authority. This is what I want to pair this with. Jaren and I got into a discussion when I knew I was going to talk on meekness. And some of this came up. And the whole idea of Jesus' authority came into play. If we're going to look at Jesus as a person, we're going to look at him as a whole person. I mean, as much as we can. 
he's fully God. Like, what can you fully, <laughs> like, we will unending be getting revelation of him. But these two pieces are what I want to piece together today, is that in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. Guys, you guys are meant to be a people who walk in all authority. Every day, all day. We're called to serve, we're called to love, but Jesus did not view himself with a low self-esteem, with a low self-worth. Like he went into the temple and he flipped tables. He cast out demons. He healed the sick. He had crowds travel from all over to come and see him. I don't view a weak person as being able to handle any of that. Do you? Jesus was not weak. And he doesn't call us to be weak. He says, learn from me. In that verse, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So the Greek for that word is manthano. Which means to genuinely understand and accept my teaching and to apply it to your life. And to go one step further and make it a lifelong habit. So Jesus is saying, guys, learn from me. Accept my teaching. Apply it to your life. It will change you. In fact, make it lifelong habits. It's going to be so fruitful. And the end of the verse says, you will find rest for your souls. <sighs> How often do we need rest? How often do we get tired? How often are we doing the things that Jesus hasn't called us to do in that moment? Because we think it's a good deed. And there's nothing wrong with doing good deeds. But can we tune in to what Jesus is calling us to do in that moment? Let's learn from him. Because Jesus is so beautiful, you guys. He was such a striking contrast to the Jewish leaders of the time. They were harsh. They were proud. Everybody knew it. And then Jesus shows up on the, on the show. And crowds are coming to him and surrounding him. And yet he was so gentle, meek, humble, disciplined, patient, yet confident and knew his authority. He carried all the authority in heaven and on earth. He knew who he was. He knew who he was between him and the Lord. So he treated people accordingly. Are we doing that? People could tell he carried authority too. Um, Matthew 7:28 says, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. People knew. They're like, whoa, they're astonished. This guy has authority when he teaches. Who is this? Meekness is not weakness. They did not look at Jesus and say he was weak because Jesus lived out of identity. In Matthew 3.17 was right before Jesus started his ministry. And he got, gets baptized and out of the sky the Father says, This is my dearly loved, beloved Son who brings me great joy. This is before we have the recordings of what Jesus did. I'm sure he lived a great life leading up to this. But this is essentially he's stepping into his doings, his ministry, his life. And Jesus looks at him and says, oh, you're so loved. 
Guys, we're called to be human beings, not human doings. I was just speaking to myself. I'm an achiever. I got to let go of the doings a lot and be a little bit more. You are loved. Can we live from that place? Can we live from that place of acceptance, of love? Romans 16, 8, 16 to 17. It's so good. It says, for his spirit joins with our spirit. Different version, my bad. I'll read this one. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In other words, you share in his spiritual blessing and in his inheritance because you're his heirs. Guys, you have been given all authority. We're meant to be a people of power. We carry his power. All authority. He says it in Matthew 10.1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. You are his disciples. He has given you authority. And Jesus wants us to walk in confidence. He wants us to walk in confidence and know who we are, but he wants us to stay low, give preference to one another. Because when we do that, it makes it so much easier. Because humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Let me say that again. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Good stop right there. That, I feel like, debunks a lot of, like, things that some of us have been taught growing up. It's thinking of yourself less. Right? Oh, Ma'am, we are his disciples, and we have all this authority. Because the solution isn't to not be great. Like, we need believers in every sphere of society. I used to think that, like, ministry was the highest calling, and I was so wrong. We need believers in the government. We need believers in business. We need believers in the schools. We need, guys, obedience is the best place to be, wherever that is. That is the best place for your heart to be, no matter if it feels like crap or if it feels like, the, like you're living your dream. Obedience is the best place to be. And if we can do that in whatever sphere we're called to, if we can be ones who know our authority and value those around us, man, our response is going to be the same as Jesus to get lower. How can we get lower? How can I help you to feel valued the way that Jesus values you? How can I serve you today? Man, I wish that I could walk and talk with Jesus. Like I know the Bible says that, you know, it's better that he went away so his Holy Spirit could come. And I agree because his Holy Spirit can be all around the world in all of us, talk to all of us. But like, come on, I'd love to have a coffee with Jesus. Right? I'm pretty sure most of us would. Like, I'd love to sit down and have a coffee with him. Man, a worship team, if you guys want to come up or one, of, one or two of you or something. Um, yeah, that's what I want to leave you guys with today is those two things. If we can get a hold of that, people who can walk in our authority yet walk in meekness. 
we got to look at Jesus when we look at being meek. And that's what gives us the right view. It's strength brought under control, knowing our identity amidst it. Guys, that is when our burden gets light. I think all of us want that. A lighter burden. Man. I think all of us want to be a little less tired. And he doesn't say don't take care of yourself. He doesn't say you don't matter. In fact, you matter more than anyone. I like to say more than anyone else, but we all matter the same. I like to say that I'm his favorite. Song of Solomon talks about that. And I can say it because I have the microphone. But you can say it too. You're his favorite. And I believe that we're called to be people who walk like Jesus walked. And how do we do that? I want to be really practical today. Behold Jesus. Look at him. It's so simple. Sometimes we overcomplicate Christianity. And then it gets to be too much and then we don't do any of it. Behold him. Look at him. He says, learn from me. Commune with his spirit. If you're still learning to hear his voice, it's like working out. You're growing your muscles. Just keep doing it. Go to the word. How many of us think to make humility, meekness, an object of our prayer? In the last couple of weeks, I started setting a reminder that says, pray and ask for humility. Which can be kind of scary because it's like, oh, frick, I'm probably going to get humbled. <laughs> and I have experienced that a couple times. It's good. It's good for me. It's good for you. What if it became a part of our daily prayers? To look like Jesus. What if we started to talk to him day in and day out? Sometimes I go way too long without even talking to him, spending time with him. What if we took parts of the New Testament, parts of Jesus' life, and we meditated on them? What if we got stuck on a verse for a month? Don't be selfish. It's easy. You don't even have to have revelation to start somewhere. Just start. What if we implemented into our relationships? Less of me, more of them. Less of me, more of them. Don't be selfish, Janine. What if we were people who walked in our authority? Guys, you have everything to offer to the world, to a hurting world. And this is not in a condemning way, but this is an invitation Learn our identity. Learn your authority. Learn what you carry. If you don't believe it yet, get into some of these verses about authority and pray the help me prayers. That's what I do with verses in the Bible when I don't believe them yet. Help me to believe this, Jesus. Help me. I don't know how many times he answers my help me prayers. And that's all I can pray. I want to invite you to stand. Guys, it's in our surrender, it's in our open-handedness that the Lord can begin to do these works of love through us. What do we have to, to bring to the altar today? What are we holding on to too tightly? What do we need to live open-handed with? 
Guys, it's his presence that keeps you connected. It's his presence that keeps you aligned. And so I just want to pray over you guys today, pray over myself. Feel free to put your hands out if this is something that you want. Just revelation of Jesus. How do we expect to look more like him if we don't ask, if we don't give him the time, if we don't behold? That's the one thing I want you to walk away with. Let's behold his beauty. So Jesus, Jesus, you are so beautiful. Jesus, we just say we love you. Jesus, come. You are our everything. And if you're not, become it. Become it. Jesus, we give you our open hands today. We say more of you and less of us. More of you and less of us. Jesus, I want to look like you. I don't know how, but I want to look like you. God, hear our hearts today. In your own words, just tell them, I want more. More of you and less of me. We simplify things today. Jesus, more of you, less of us. Jesus, show us your beauty. Would we be people who are not bored with you, Jesus? Would you be one who moves our heart, tenderize the hard places in our hearts, the places that feel unmovable, tenderize our hearts. Jesus, that we would be ones who are soft, who are tender, who are humble, who are so deeply in love with you that we know how to love other people well. God, we want to be ones who serve and live from a full cup, ones who know our identity, who know who we are, who know what we carry. Release revelation of our identity today. We're lovers, we're not workers. A lover will outwork a worker every time. Jesus, make us a lover. Take us deeper. Take us deeper in this place. Humble us where we need to be humble. You are more humble than we are. Make us like you. We want to pray the scary prayers. We just say that we love you. Make us more like you. If you need prayer for anything, you are more than welcome to come up to the front and anyone on our Haven ministry team will come and pray with you. The space at the front is even a good space. If you still, I encourage you, if the Lord is doing something in your heart, don't leave. Take the space. Come and process. Talk to him. Talk to someone. I, feel, I know he loves when we have conversations about what he's doing. So feel free to stay. Otherwise, I'm going to dismiss you uh, for those who want to leave as well. We encourage you to connect. There's more coffee to not just run away, get connected relationally. But the space is free uh, if you need it. Bless you. Have a good Sunday.